Paul Bibby, Managing Director and Chief Executive Officer for Accora Resources. Uh, thank you, Merlin, for uh, taking the time to video me. Accora Resources is uh, iron ore in Madagascar. Uh, we've got some uh, tremendous tenements, and since listing in December of 2020, uh, we have progressed the projects at a pretty good pace, considering the difficulties with COVID and the like. We've had three drilling programs. We've confirmed the maiden resource of just under 200 million tonnes of iron mineralisation. We've done various product trials, showing that there's a unique characteristic at Becky Sopa, where the iron mineralisation readily upgrades to higher-grade products uh, suitable for uh, fines to sintering, but more importantly, uh, a concentrate product that is suitable for direct reduced iron pellets for the green steel future as the iron and steel industry decarbonises. So a lot of knowledge has been generated and uh, we're looking forward to a busy year again this year to progress the projects. Paul, thank you very much for the introduction. Um, it's been a year since uh, I last spoke to you. Um, <clears throat> you've got a very fine chandelier there. Are, are you at home? No, look, I'm actually in Hong Kong. Um, the, there's a, a mining event in Hong Kong this week and uh, I've been meeting with investors and uh, this is my hotel room. Uh, quite fortunately, I get a, a discounted rate because I'm at the conference. Otherwise, I'd never be able to afford to stay here. <laughs> So, good. Um, what's, the, what's the attendance like? What's the mood in the conference? It was very good. Um, uh, lots of uh, interested investors. Um, I would say there was 30 or so companies uh, presenting and um, lots of investors showing interest. Uh, I had a fairly full uh, meeting schedule, so uh, it was all good. And, uh, and, and those people had done their homework on Acora and were yeah, looking favorably to, to hear the story and uh, see how they could work with us going forward. So no, I think it was good for a first time back after probably three years uh, since the last uh, mining conference like this. Goodness. Um, well, it's certainly been a pretty rough time in the junior um, market and the resources space for the past 12 months, really. Um, <clears throat> um, we've seen kind of valuations crushed and um, a core is no different. I, mean, I think when we, when we last spoke, the share price was in the 30s it's actually i think it was 36 and today it's um 18 cents it's one of those kind of strange ironies that the share price halves and yet your project um has advanced um <clears throat> the, the the key now is to try and get that share price up you know surely as a shareholder you know you, you're going to be and a director of the company that's your that's your your key mission um what are your how do you see that you kind of you, how do you see that that happens? You know, what are the key steps you've got in the in the near term that are going to help you and your shareholders? Certainly. I think um, there's a couple of points to be made there. Firstly, over the last two years, we've done a huge amount of work on the ground to understand the ore body, understand the potential products and the like, and it's all been very positive, all been encouraging news. Uh, we had a great announcement last week for the DSO infill drilling program, and that... Uh, you know, got a lot of interest from investors and, and uh, a response to the share price, which is great. Where I've fallen down, and I think it's been an issue for many companies, is that we haven't been out and about marketing ourselves and telling the stories consistently. Now, COVID was part of that, but uh, since COVID's finished, I have decided that I've got to get out and talk to investors more and get our story across while still doing the work on the ground at Madagascar. And I honestly believe that this is a good time to be doing it because our knowledge is at such a position now with the maiden resource, with the infill drilling program completed, uh, which is giving us confidence about a startup project for direct ship ore. 
And also we've done the scoping study last year, which is giving us an understanding of capital and operating costs. So we're in a good position to talk to investors and answer those questions that they have for a company like ours with a lot more confidence. Okay, um, <clears throat> I, I looked at that scoping study. Uh, I, I've, I've, I've had the, 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 the privilege to work in iron ore a little bit. And I know that one of the, um, uh, the there's a kind of a saying that um, in, in gold, the hard thing is to find it. And once you found it, it's rel- relatively simple to get it out. Um, but in iron ore, it's relatively easy to find it. But the difficult thing is working out what to do um, with it. And I see that in your scoping study, you've got uh, a number of scenarios. But for me, the, 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 the what jumps out is the fact that you've got, um, what is it, about um, just under 8 million tonne potential of DSO. Because that is a uh, a low capex route into production. Um, can you just tell, tell us a little bit about that first and then we can go on to the kind of the, the, the other options yeah yeah look um it may be true that iron ore is easy to find but to find high grade iron ore at surface which is easy to mine um isn't necessarily the case at becky soper we've got two i guess levels of iron mineralization at the surface we've got outcropping iron ore grading 67 percent and then in the weathered zone we've got high grade lump and fines dso which is grading 64, 66% and, and good intercepts. Uh, so that for us is a low capital and operating cost, as you said, Merlin, to get into production um, quite readily. And then with the, the margin that is there um, at long running prices, we've got the chance to um, generate funds, put that into capital to increase the production potential and then move to further processing and making concentrates for the green steel future. So that's what's different about um, a chorus project at Becky Soper. And we've shown that the fresh rock, which is grading 35 to 45% iron, can readily upgrade at 75 microns, or other coarse grind size, to 70% iron, ready for the green steel future for making direct reduced iron pellets. So we've got two quite unique iron ore mineralizations and uh, relatively low capital uh, way to get into production going forward. The issue, as you said, is always the logistics, I believe. Um, And with the scoping study with Wardell Armstrong out of the UK, they drove the road and, uh, you know, they they felt that 80% 80 of the road was in good to very good condition and suitable for trucks to transport the iron ore to the port. Um, And... We haven't done enough time yet at the port to understand the the costings, but we've allowed um, a substantial fund of money uh, allocation, you know, in the capital costs to put in stockpiling area, uh, conveying systems, shiploading systems to you know produce around two million tons or three million tons per annum and load ships efficiently um, at the port. Goodness. Um, th- thank you, Paul. L- lots to unpack in that. Um, just a really quick question. That the fresh rock is that um, still in hematite, or does it move to magnetite when you're down at thirty? Or not when, when it's at the thirty-four to thirty-seven percent. So at surface, we've got predominantly magnetite, but also hematite. Uh, but in the fresh rock, it is predominantly magnetite, and that's why it's ready to. It's able to be upgraded for two reasons. One, you can use magnetic separation. Uh, because of the magnetic properties of the iron minerals, but also at Becky Soper, the iron mineralization is relatively coarse. 
so you don't need to crush it and grind it to find sizes to liberate the iron minerals to get the high grade uh, or premium grade products. Let's just look at the at the uh, at the lump. You know the the the, the weather profile. Um, I think in your infill drilling, you talked about. Uh, drill hole depths from 5.6 meters to 29.6 meters so presumably that is the that reflects the weather profile um if you've got 8 million tons on that what 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 kind of um are you anticipating are you looking to do the dso part of the operation in in three years or in eight years or or, or whatever the um the drilling we did uh, which completed in october of last year it was on a 50 by 50 metre grid um, on an area of about 700 metres by 600 metres. Um, the intercepts that we saw for the high-grade iron mineralisation were numbers like um, you know, 8 to 12 metres um, at 66%, you know, 9 and 10 metres at 65%. So selective mining, we are going to be able to uh, mine the areas that give us the highest grades and the best margins and uh, go from there. The results are being sent toward Al Armstrong's mineral resource estimators, and by the end of May, we'll have their estimate of what the tons and grade in the DSO in the southern zone is. And we're expecting um, the numbers to be around 8 to 12 million uh, tons, which is sufficient for a startup operation at 2 million tons a year, you know, for four to six years. Um, the reason that we're, we're wanting to do that now is that we can then start to talk about some of the scoping study numbers because that resource will be in the indicated to measured category. Um, but clearly, as we do more drilling, we'll identify more high-grade DSO, is our expectation, which then gives us more years of mining uh, of the high-grade lump and fines DSO going forward. You say clearly. Is, it, um, um, is that because the, there is uh, more of that weather material? I mean, how do you know? I mean, you, why do you say clearly? Have you got geological expectations that there's going to be more well i guess there's there's two or three two or three reasons uh i'm a metallurgist not a geologist and uh, i've overseen the geological work for the last two and a bit years and i must say all but two holes that we've drilled of the 148 holes have intersected iron ore so it's been a, a very very good strike rate the 85 holes we did in the infill drilling all hit iron mineralization and 75 of them at, at quite high grades so and that's just in the southern zone. We got the uh, magnetic, ground magnetic survey that we, we did, and that shows a six-kilometre-long uh, magnetic anomaly north to south. We've only drilled uh, intensely the bottom 700 metres, so there's another, you know, five or so kilometres to drill um, where there is a strong magnetic anomaly, and where we've seen from our previous drilling to be some good near-surface intercepts. So. Um, we're very hopeful, very confident that with more drilling, we will intercept more high-grade iron ore suitable for DSO. And that's in the drilled part. Uh, on surface of Becky Soper, and it was one of the reasons we, we've chosen to work on that project first, is you've got the large areas of outcropping iron ore on surface. You know, rocks as big as a, a dining room table or a, you know, a football that are sitting there waiting to be picked up and crushed um, and the rock chip samples graded 67%. So that hasn't been measured or defined as part of the resource, but it's there as well. So we feel at the minute there's 10 million tonnes, plus or minus a little bit, and that will be borne out with the magnetic, uh, with the mineral resource estimate uh, by the end of May. 
and with further work we could add to that. But uh, you know that is sufficient um, to to get it justify getting a project underway. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I mean, if you can produce uh, one or two million tons of um, uh, lump or DSO, um, your uh, lump and fines, but direct shipping, you're 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 really um, cooking with gas. I mean, that's that's um, a hell of a thing. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. If I put it into numbers. Um, Today, the iron ore price, I think, is 126 US dollars a ton for 62% iron. If we ship out 65% iron, uh, which we believe is, is feasible because we're seeing numbers at 66 and 65 in the ground, they just need to be crushed and screened, um, that's 3% iron better than benchmark. So that should add $18 to the price. And the lump ore has a premium typically of $12 or $15. So very quickly, the the price for the product of lump iron ore out of Becky Soper is a number like $150 or $155. And, uh, you know, the operating costs, you know, we need to firm up on those. But, you know, I've always said it's a number like 42 But if it's $50, uh, you have got a margin of $100 there per tonne. So at a one or two million tonne per annum operation, um, you, you've got, you know, approaching $200 million in revenue which is sufficient to pay off the initial capital uh, in a year. And then in the second and third year, that money can be used to improve the process, but also add equipment to enable you to do more crushing and more uh, screening and grinding to produce further upgraded products from the lower grade fresh rock material. Okay, got it. Um, what, what did the scoping study kind of kick out in terms of a um, CapEx number to get that uh, initial uh, production into play. Yeah, look, I, I'll only talk in round numbers, if that's okay, um, because we haven't been able to make the scoping study public. There's also been a, a research report done on the company by Aurea Capital, Simon Francis out of Hong Kong. And that's on our website under investors and research. And that's worth people having a look at. Because Simon has done a very thorough um uh, review of the company, but also looked at what the opportunities are uh, in, in relation to green steel and what that really means in terms of demand for high-grade iron ore going forward and some competitor analysis. The the numbers for capital, um, we've put a number of about $200 million to do the $2 million tonne per annum project. That $200 million has a $40 to $50 million contingency because some of the large items around the road and the port need further work. Uh, the costs for mining, processing, infrastructure, accommodation for employees, because Becky Soap is in a very remote location and we're going to have to bring people in, community facilities and the like, um, is only around $80 million. So, um, you know, 80 for mining, processing um, and, and buildings and facilities, 30, 40 for roads, millions. Uh, 60 for a port, and that could be way, way down less than 60 um, as we do further work to understand what the best option is in terms of stockpile laydown areas at the port area and conveying systems and shiploading. So um, we've been conservative, um, but I think at this stage that's the right thing to do. Um, so that's that's where it looks like being for the capital cost for the DSO production. Why, is, why was the scoping study uh, not published? Because our resource... Uh, last year, the just under 200 million ton resource that we'd um, reported on in April is in the uh, inferred category. 
And the rules here in Australia are that you have to have indicated or measured, a higher quality okay. uh, resource yeah. um, grade. And the infill drilling will enable us to do that because the drill pattern is at 50 by 50 metres, not 200 by 200 or, or wider as it was previously. Yeah, interesting. In, in Canada, uh, you can put out a, a scoping study or a PA on inferred resources, but um, you can't do a PFS unless you've got the measured and indicated. These, the differences in the code are quite interesting. Um, <clears throat> good. Um, now, the, the port Toliara, down in the south of Madagascar. I mean, Madagascar is a challenging uh, environment. It, it's not... Um, uh, there aren't as kind of a super abundance of um, companies which have made a huge success in in, um, in Madagascar. And in the south there, you've got uh, base resources with the uh, um, Ranobi um, Mineral Sands Project. Um, and they're now looking at the rare earths, but they've been stuck in a dispute with the government about the port for, for years. I mean, I, they are talking about resolution, but... Um, Look, I... I um... I'm not fully across the base resources uh, situation. Um, in the background in Madagascar, there have been the government has been looking to review the mining code, and that really, I think, is the the crux of the matter, so to speak, as we're here today. Um, the The mining code, they're looking to improve it. It's a good mining code to ensure that the government gets due reward for mining projects that are happening in the country, and because that hasn't been settled, these other issues, I believe, are simmering. And once the mining code is settled, and it looks to be getting closer for that to happen um, now, closer than it's been before, um, I think these other issues will be resolved because there's a reference point in terms of a confirmed mining code. In terms of mining activity in Madagascar, um, you've got Rio Tinto's titanium project at Fort Dolphin. Um, it's been... You know, producing successfully for quite a number of years. It's a multi-billion dollar project. You've got the Ambatavi nickel laterite project um, in sort of central eastern Madagascar. That nickel laterites are a difficult project no matter where they are because of the, the mineralogy and the, and the chemistry and the so on. And then they're massive um, processing plants. Um, they always start off difficultly, even in Australia when they've done those sort of projects. So my understanding is now that the process is running well um, with nickel prices where they are. You know, the project is making good money and, and things have settled down and going well. So, um, yes, they may have had some teething problems, but I understand that that's now going, going quite well. There's a number of graphite projects in the country that um, are delivering, and there's a several graphite companies that are looking to develop uh, their projects and get them into production as well. Um, so I think things are about to happen. But the main sort of overriding issue has been um, resolution of changes to the mining code. Now, I don't believe there, from my discussions with the mining minister, that they're um, daunting type issues. Uh, for iron ore, uh, which isn't necessarily um, a focused mineral in Madagascar, you know, things like gold and oil and, you know, rare earths and the like are. Um, but for iron ore, you know, they're talking about increasing the royalty from, say, 2% to 4%. And in my discussions with the mining minister and the mining um, department people, we are quite comfortable with a 4% royalty. Um, that's a very competitive royalty compared to other countries. And at the end of the day, if you have a good project, and we believe we have a good project, a, a royalty like that um, is a sensible fee to pay the government 
to uh, you know do works for the community and elsewhere. Um, thank you. Have have they given a timetable on the resolution of the mining code? You know, is, is there a is there a a, a deadline date or an announcement date or kind of a, a Look, plan? Um, I I don't believe they've given a deadline date. Um, I think if I was in government, I certainly wouldn't do that because the chance of uh, it not being achieved is, uh, I guess, fairly high. Look, um, we know in recent in the recent months there's been good discussions at the mining uh, department level and the ministry level. They've been working with the World Bank, um, and they've you know fine-tuned the mining code and the upgrades to that. I understand, and hopefully those discussions will be had, and um, you know decisions will be made soon. The port at Toliara, I think it's um, you know you can take small small vessels in there. It's not a it's not a hugely deep port. It's not a deep water port. So, um, are you thinking about transshipping out to a deeper water area, or are you? Uh, or have you not gone there in the studies yet? Look, we have we have visited the port. Um, we had a very good visit visit actually with the Wardell Armstrong engineers and uh, people from the local uh, area to assist us. Um, the The port is predominantly a container port, an incoming container port. There's not a lot of outgoing um, shipping happening there. Um, we not only drove out and walked around the port area, but we actually got in a in a boat and went for a sail and have a look around. And at low tide, the um, depth was eight meters. At high tide, it's around twelve. So that's suitable for supermax uh, vessels, uh, which are common in in the bulk uh, minerals carrying sort of area. Um, and they're sort of fifty eight thousand uh, ton vessels. So when you're looking at two million tons per annum, um, you divide that by ten months. That's two hundred thousand or so a month. That's you know three four um, uh, votes a month, and that's all sensible and practical at that size, and that's if we set up a conveying and shiploading facility on the current um, container landing area at the port. One of the things we've thought about is actually going out deeper with the conveyor going out say an extra kilometre, which would then be a five or six kilometre conveyor, nothing dramatic, and having um, a, a shiploading berth there or two um, in, in slightly deeper water, which may mean you can get you know up to 100,000 uh, tonne vessels being loaded. So, yeah, they're, they're the options that we're looking at, which is also why we've allowed for $60 million in the scoping study um, because of the uncertainty about which approach we could do at the port. Certainly, there's um, there would be a lower capex choice if you... Uh, <clears throat> use the existing port but just with a kind of a, um, a layout yard a kind of stockpiles and conveyor system um yes yes very much so yeah yeah that would save some money um good talking about money um what are your uh requirements for this year i mean i can see from the financial reports um you know your your december quarterly that you're quite low on capital you'll sub a million dollars um what what's the work plan for um 2023, the remainder of that, and how are you going to finance it? Yeah, a good question, and it's a question that concerns many investors. Um, pleasingly for us, the first quarter, January to March, is a low expenditure quarter because in Madagascar it's the wet season, so we can't drill, we can't do geological work, and it's an opportunity for us to do our desk work and get on top of the results from the previous year and plan for the coming year. Um, I've submitted two budgets to the board. Uh, one at $3 million, which enables us to do continuation of the work at Becky Sopa and some preliminary work at the Satrakala uh, tenements where we did rock chip analysis last year. And I'd like to do a 
magnetic survey of that that ground because that looks to have a 10 kilometer strike whereas Becky Soap is at six kilometers so um, quite a promising prospect there um, so with you know an extra two to three million dollars that would comfortably get us through uh, 12 15 months um, without trouble and as you've seen Merlin um, we haven't raised much money since we've listed and the majority of our money, the greater majority of our money goes into drilling and geology. It's not going into overheads um, and the like, GNA. We also have a second budget, which is set at around $6 million. And that budget is a uh, adventurous budget, but enables us to work on Becky Sopa, Satrakala and Tratra Marina. The lessons we've learned in the last two and a bit years at Becky Sopa are readily transferable. To those other projects and we'd like to accelerate the uh, the work on those in terms of magnetic surveys exploratory drilling and the like so that we can then understand you know which is the next best project to work on as well as becky sopa and satrakala is is a an obvious one because it's 40 kilometers closer to the port uh, than becky sopa and looks to be a very similar um, mineralogy but possibly even larger size project than Becky Soper. Tratra Marina is on the east coast. It hasn't got the logistic issues that we see at Becky Soper and Satrakala. Uh, it's only 16 kilometres from the ocean, from the tide line. Uh, it is a classic banded iron formation. Uh, we need to go and do uh, the magnetic survey, some more exploratory drilling to better understand the extent of the mineralisation and then we can use the knowledge that we've got from the scoping study at Becky Sofa to understand the capital cost for that project. But it hasn't got the logistic issues that we have on the other one. So we would we actually would like to progress all three projects. Um, we understand that um, now possibly isn't the right time to go for such an adventurous budget. So we're weighing up our options at the minute about how best to approach it to ensure that the funds that we get are sufficient to do the right level of work, but also you know, manage the expectation of our shareholders. Thank you. Um, when you talk about Tratram, um <clears throat> being classic BIF um, or classic BIF, um, does that mean that there's it's kind of it's all magnetite, or or is there some lump potential there as well? The reason we chose to work at Becky Soper was because of the very obvious, significant outcropping of high grade material. We don't see that. We don't see that at Tratra Marina. Yes, there may be a small amount, but it's not substantial. We don't see it being 10 or more million tonnes. Uh, what we see there is a classic banded iron formation, magnetite grading 35%, but you know, maybe a bit more, um, requiring to be ground down to 50, 70 or so microns to make a high-grade iron concentrate. Right. For me, it, it seems crystal clear that uh becky soper is is where you're at because you've got the you've got the drilling in there already you've got the scoping study there you've just got to get the, the infill in and and march that um that dso operation towards uh kind of better resolution better better uh detail on the numbers um you know it, it, it is there a kind of a even a reduced budget um which can can still do that or certainly so with the money that we have in the bank now, um, plus a smaller amount, um, it might only be a million and a half dollars, um, we could progress the project at Becky Sopa, um, do the mineral resource estimate uh, on last year's infill drilling, 
uh, update the scoping study with Wardell Armstrong and and then, then, then consider which are the next best activities to conduct. Um, and that could be the way to go. So one of the assessments that we will do, just as any investor would do, is forecast as best we can how we feel the world's going to be going forward and are things going to recover sooner rather than later or whatever. So we've got to weigh up all of those things. Um, we've done the homework on the budget side. Um, we have been very good at um, planning and spending of our money. We've been very considered in how we spend our money and uh, we'll want to make sure we do the right thing by our investors um, by not causing too much dilution unnecessarily. What's the makeup of your shareholder register? I mean, it, it, do you have a kind of a list of people that you can go back to and say, "This is where we're at. We're actually better value than we were two years ago." Um, are you going to, if we do a placement, will you? What are you good for? Can you follow your interest? You know, are, are they long-term supporters? Yes. So look, we've got about five hundred shareholders. So not not a great deal. Um, when we listed, we brought across about 150 shareholders that had been supporting us in the previous years prior to listing. They are all still on the register. Um, so they they understand the project, they like the story, and they're waiting for you know the big the big prize uh, down the track. Um, with the IPO and you know shareholders along the way, a number of people have brought in. Um, we've if you look at our top 20 and say compare it in the December report to what it was um, 18 months ago, you'll see some new names there. They have been building up sizable positions um, over the last 12 months. Um, and there are others that we've... I've had another one today come to talk to me and has been following the story and is wanting to know how to get involved in a bigger way. But because our volume, our turnover on the market is so little, it's a difficult task. So um, we... Our top 20 shareholders hold 60%, um, and they've all been very strong and uh, and sitting and supporting us. And yes, we can go and talk to a number of those, and I believe they will be supportive of a, of a placement. And then we have the majority of our shareholders. If um, you know we wanted to access them, I believe they will be supportive. But we'd also be very keen to bring in new investors who, who like the story and want to be you know, part of the improvement and the uplift in the Acora story um, to join the register or, you know, work with us on a placement, for example. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're, you're welcome to join the story, but um, write a check for a million dollars and then you're in. Uh, and you'd be most welcome. Um, you know, uh, our larger shareholder did that in, in the middle of 2019 uh, and they're still there uh, and it's been fabulous. So um, if we could get a few more like that, that would make everyone's life a lot better. And it means that we can ex accelerate the work. I mean, just from sitting here, it feels that, um, in a sense, the kind of the financing is the next key catalyst because that will, um, how much money you raise will determine uh, the work program for the rest of the year. And it's almost kind of once you've, um, rather than saying this is the work program for the year, um, it's almost, let's see what happens and how much money you raise and then... Um, then you can um, articulate or clarify the work plan for the rest of the year. Correct. So look, we, we've got, like I said, we've got two very clear budgets. They've got blocks of work in them. And depending on the funding, we know which of the blocks of work to initiate first, second and third. Um, and it's all a very methodical, sensible path line. And it's based on the experience that we've got over the last two years at Becky Saper. So um, tried and true, uh, sensible, and will deliver us... You know, further knowledge for 
Becky Soper or Satrakala or Tratra Marina. Paul, thank you very much for the interview. I, I really feel as if I understand um, where the company's at, the opportunity suite there. I'm particularly keen on the um, the idea of DSO material from Becca Soper and uh, going out at uh, 2 million tonnes per annum. Um, and uh, good luck with the year ahead. No, thank you very much. Appreciate your time today. And as I said, um, one of the things that I need to do, as well as progress the projects, is communicate more with our existing shareholders and potential future shareholders so they better understand the opportunity as well and uh, can come and support us. That'd be wonderful.